Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Um, this is be this is number ten, my tenth time speaking in the last five days, six days, wherever I'm at. Where am I? I'm in July. There you go. All right. Uh, what a privilege it is, and the greatest church on the planet, the Awakened Church, is. For 25 years, I've been all over this world, and this is the best culture I've ever seen in a local church. I can say that honestly, I can say that with integrity, that where it's not built around a man or a woman, it's built around people living up in a down world and a culture that's committed to excellence and love and serving people and doing the Jesus style on the planet, no matter what's going on around us. I wanna give uh, credit to my really, really good friend. He's not here today, I'll see him here for lunch. Jurgen and Leanne Matesius. Man, I love my pastors. Wow, what incredible friends and pastors. And I have a couple people that I let speak into my life consistently, and they inspire me. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better dad. I want to love people in a better way. I want to have more fun when I'm around Pastor Jurgen and Leanne. I want life, it's, they just stir me up in a really great way. And I want to say Michael and Lisa Hunley, our campus pastors. They so fire me up. Stand up, you good people. I love you guys and appreciate you guys. And you know what I really love about Michael and Lisa? Not only do they carry the presence of God and wisdom of God, they have a heart to serve people. And in a culture that says serve me first, even from a lot of pulpits and a lot of churches in the world, they have a how can I serve you? How can I make a difference for you? How can I lay down my life so that you can have a better life? And that's actually really, really hard to find these days. Aren't you grateful for people that are willing to invest in your spiritual life, our children, our families? Give them a big old clap. And I do want to give credit real quickly to Brian and Leanne. Are you guys still here that do our recovery where are Leanne, stand up, Brian, stand up, you awesome people. They have our recovery groups. How many love our recovery groups? How many know we can go through recovery and discovery all at the same time? That, you know, I love that about them. They don't lock people into where they've been or the condition or things that you're struggling with, but they help people get out and stay free by God's grace and goodness. If you know someone that needs recovery and maybe, man, you just been walking through a tough season, be here. When do they need to be here? Tonight at 7, and you'll treat them like gold that they are, right? I have confidence in you. I know you. I love you guys. Give them a big old clap. I want to give, I got to do a couple more commercials. I want to give the worship team and all the sound guys, all the people serving, all of our high team, give them a big old clap. All of our high team. They got here early, they sweated, they did stuff so you can have a good experience. And if you have kids, please tell the people thank you when you go pick up your kids. Come on, it ain't a day, it's not a daycare service, come on. They're serving, they're not making any money, they're serving your children so they can be mighty in the land. So make sure you say something nice. My wife, my best friend, stand up. We're lovers, we're best friends, we're in love. It's not an act, we're actually in love. You probably saw me grab her butt before I walked on the stage. I still do it after all these years, why? Because we're in love. Oh my gosh, marriage is so hard. No, it's not, not when you trade expectation for appreciation, all the suffering stops. I could have just saved you so much therapy. You can stop watching Dr. Phil episodes, watch that. If you trade your expectations for appreciation, all your suffering stops because all your suffering in a relationship is based on what the other person owes you and should do for you to keep you happy and satisfied. And when you focus on how much you can appreciate and how much value and love you can give to somebody rather than what you expect them to do because they'll never hit your ceiling. 
or else I will judge her. I will try to cure her. I'll try to heal her, and I'll destroy my own thing of that love, my own love relationship. How many know when you trade your expectation for appreciation, all the misery and the suffering in your mind stops, and now you can be free to actually love somebody and show yourself? That was, that was free of charge. That just saved you counseling. You don't got to go to therapy, sit on someone's couch, and pay them a couple hundred bucks an hour. Why does my marriage suck? Because you got so many high expectations and you have very little appreciation. In fact, let me give you one more nugget before we even get going. If you'll treat them at the end like you did at the beginning, you never have an ending. Oh, think on that one for a minute. If you treat them at the end like you did at the beginning, you never have an ending. How many know at the beginning of a relationship, you would do anything for that person? Baby, you want me to take out the trash? Absolutely. Come on, five years in. Baby, you want me to take out the trash? I don't want to. You do it. <laughs> Come on. How many know that's true? All of a sudden, things shift and change. But if you treat them at the end like you did at the beginning, come on, things stay exciting. Anyways, that's my lover, my best friend. Our life's about creation, not about conflict. Don't you have stressful times all the time? Just like you do. Come on, all you got to do is get on the 52. Come on. And you find out how much spiritual warfare there is. Because you fill up not putting up the high sign. There's another finger you want to put up by people. Some of you actually agree. I'm joking. Uh, I do want to say this. Uh, Daniel Wilgenbush, uh, stand up for a minute. You've helped me. And then I'll get into this, my last commercial. Daniel Wilgenbush, I met speaking for Success Magazine about eight years ago to about 8,000 people about six years ago in Miami, Florida with a great DJ, and it was just some phenomenal people that were there, Darren Hardy and these great people. But I met Daniel Wilgenbush. He'll be one of the most greatest powerful voices that you'll hear in America in the years to come. His insight and level of connection and his love to pierce darkness is going to be really incredible. Thank you for serving and helping me and taking care of me and my family and making sure I don't get stabbed in the back by anybody with a knife. Thank you very, very much. You say that really can happen? Yeah, it's happened. <laughs> People have tried to do some crazy stuff. Second Timothy chapter 1, it's on the right-hand side of your Bible. And verses five through seven, you're not gonna like this, you're gonna love this. Slap the person next to you, say something good's about to happen. Get ready, 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 get ready. I love this. I use the Bible because it works. Come on. God's wisdom, God's word. The enemy can steal the word out of your life, he will destroy you. That's why every attack from him is an attack on the word. You know what he's scared of by what he attacks. If you recognize that his tactics towards you are always based on what he fears the most, he attacks the most. And if you recognize that, there's always a word there he wants to steal out of your life. His success against you is based on you being ignorance of God's word where he can warp your mind through the world's wisdom rather than God's system. He wants you to be conditioned by what you see and you feel, not by what God said. Never let what you see talk you out of what God said. Because if God spoke it to you and you hold on to that, what he said will come to fruition. It might be instantaneously. It might be through a process. But God is faithful. He's alert and active, watching over his word. He will perform it. God's a performer. He doesn't give false hope. Come on. We have a lot of people out there, a lot of politicians, they promise everything and deliver nothing. Come on. Except pocketing it in their own, in their own pocketbooks. But God is faithful. He has a track record. He's Jehovah Elyon. He's the God above every God. He's Jehovah Rapha. He is your healer, Hebrew names. He's Jehovah Rohi. He's your shepherd. He leads you and he's guiding you. Someone needs to start saying that over their life. God's leading me and he's guiding me. He's leading me and he's guiding me. He's leading me and he's guiding me. He's Jehovah Nisi, he's your banner, he's your victory. He's Jehovah Jireh, he is your provider. Noah did not say the government is your provider, did not say your employer is your provider. He said, I will be your provider. You don't look to me, I, I'm that, come on. What are you doing making a plug for the God of the Bible? Here we go. When I call to remembrance the sincere faith that's in you, Paul's talking to Timothy, his understudy here, it first dwelt in your grandmama, Lois, and then in your mama, Eunice. Got it from my mama. Check it out. Sorry, I have beats in my head still go off. I'm persuaded in you. Verse 6. I want you to put you in remembrance and stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, 
but a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of a sound mind. Someone say, I have a spirit of power. Put your hand on your chest. Say, I have a spirit of power. Touch the person next to you. You have a spirit of power. Now say, I have a spirit of love and a spirit of a sound mind. Ooh, this is going to be good. The title of my message this morning is Turn Your Power On. This came because I created a commercial back a couple years ago. It was in 102 countries. And one night we did a, a live interview on Spike TV. It was about 100 million viewers all over the world and with a, uh, a lot of the UFC fighters. And we created a program to go into schools and children's hospitals and all these different areas of, you know, struggling, uh, struggling society where they had like a power outage, like mentally, emotionally, relationally. And we had the slogan to turn your power on. How many know this room would be completely dark until we flip the switch and turn your power on? And it's interesting that in the text, Paul is talking to Timothy. Timothy is a young pastor of a church in Ephesus. It's where we get the book Ephesians. He's pastoring a group of people, and he's in a really challenging time in society. Nero is the prime minister, and he's chopping Christians' heads off that have decided to speak God's word because he wants to be in charge, and he wants to be God and not let God be God. So he's under a severe attack. He's had people in his congregation. Their heads were chopped off. Come on, that that doesn't sound too exciting. And then he's got people in his congregation who think he's too young and too immature to lead. They feel like he doesn't capable of it. And he's thinking about, in his mind, quitting on the calling that is on his life. His dad was an atheist, an unbeliever, while his mom and his grandmother were strong believers, and the Bible says his grandma and mama had sincere faith. I want to encourage you, some of you parents and grandparents in here, that your faith can make a difference for generations to come. The Holy Spirit put in the Bible that even while someone was struggling, a grandmama's faith and a mother's faith were making a difference and could be stirred up in their children. Never underestimate the power of of your faith that you have as a mom and a dad, not as a pastor, not as a leader, whether you're a dentist, whether you fix cars, whether you work at 7-Eleven, that you have a faith that can change somebody's world and that your faith can leave a legacy and leave a difference through love, through good works. Come on, somebody. Come on. And it's not going to matter. Your faith is going to determine not what man says at the end of your life, but what God says at the end of your life. In a culture that we're fixed on the addiction of approval, come on, we can get so caught on, well, what does so-and-so say about me? What does so-and-so say about me? Do they give me enough likes on my Instagram account? Do they like enough of my pictures on Facebook? Do they like enough of my dances on TikTok? We're always starving for approval because as a culture, we started chasing celebrity rather than understanding we're celebrated and favored by God, that it's really not what other people say about our life, but what God says about our life. It should change the way you drastically live. Come on. Powerful stuff. Timothy's struggling here. He's thinking about, man, I want to go back to a less, you know, easier time. I I want things to kind of chill out. I I don't want my head chopped off. I'm tired of these people talking about me. But Paul speaks to him like a corner man talking like Freddie Roach talking to Mayweather in a corner. I work with so many different professional athletes as my clients in personal development and coaching even to this day. And I come to them and I put demands on their potential. I help them see blind spots they might be overlooking or areas they can succeed that maybe they know about that they're not using or maybe they haven't thought about it. Try to give them a quick angle so they can access an avenue of revenue or greater performance in area. Paul talks to his understudy and he says, hey, I want to put you in remembrance of the kind of DNA and the faith you have on the inside of you. Have you ever watched the Kentucky Derby and you watch like one of these powerful thoroughbred horses? Come on. They don't look very much different than any other horse, but something happened. They were bred sometimes for many, many generations. Blood sport agents will go study the parents, the grandparents, up to fifth or sixth generations of horses because they know winning doesn't just happen. It's only in the power of the blood. And they have to be able to invest in that. Watch how powerful this is. You're going to like this. 
The, the average person they might spend to create a racehorse, which there's no guarantee he's going to be a winner, but they might invest anywhere between $700,000 to a $1 million in this kind of horse. And when the horse comes out, come on, it's all wobbly. It might have spots. It might be brown. It might be black. It might be white. Come on, someone like that. It might be pink. Hey, come on. Or salmon. Hey, come on. Come on. All different guys. And to the average observer, they might think the owner, Michael, wasted $700,000 on a horse. But the owner's not overly concerned about its initial weakness or it can only see 10 feet in front of itself or that it's wobbly or it's got spots or it's undersized because he knows inside of that colt is the right DNA of champions. There might be five or six levels of champions of generations in that DNA. So he's not concerned about the weakness of that animal because he knows the power of that DNA that once it gets moving, it's got championship genes on the inside of it. If you've ever gone and looked at your spiritual ancestry, you will know something. God, your father, spoke and the world was. Your older brother, your savior, Jesus, he went to hell, took the keys out, whooped the devil and destroyed him. He's in your bloodline. Moses parted a Red Sea. Deliverance is in your bloodline. Daniel went and spent the night with lions. Protection's in your bloodline. Ezra, no, sorry, Esther rose up in a time of challenge became a hero. Heroism is in your bloodline. Nehemiah built in a time a challenge of economic and political buildings in your bloodline. Every one of us has got a natural bloodline. Heritage from grandparents, great-grandparents, parents. Could be what? Could be addiction. Could be heart disease. Could be diabetes. Could be low drive. Some of us were raised, come on, with a real small lid in our mentality. Come on. Just try to barely, barely get by, mijo. Come on, you can do it, mijo. You can do it. Come on, try to get your GED. And we were raised with that kind of a cap on your potential. Come on. And it's made you disregard and not honor the DNA that's on the inside of you. The Bible says that when you came to Christ, he made you a new person and you got a new bloodline inside you. You got a DNA of champions inside you. Your older brother, hell could not hold him. So if you honor the bloodline that's in you, how can hell hold you? How could hell hold your family? How could depression hold your family? You got royal blood inside you. You ain't common no more. You ain't normal no more. You're not just a white man in a black man's world. You're not a Hispanic in an Asian's world. You're a child of God. The spirit of Jesus is inside you. Somebody give the Lord a clap and a shout like you got energy. Remind yourself of the faith that's inside you. I'm waiting for change to come down. Change doesn't come down. Change comes out. I'm not waiting for a revival to come down. A revival evolves out of your mentality, not out of your circumstance. It's a change of your thinking, the ability of your mind to make a heaven out of a hell or a hell out of heaven. All by the questions that you ask yourself. Whatever you ask, you receive. If you ask yourself, why am I in this position? Why am I being punished? Why doesn't God love me? Why don't I get the miracle? Why does somebody else get blessed and I don't? Why don't I have the opportunity that person? How many of you ask bad questions, you get bad answers? Because Jesus said, whatever you ask, you read. Maybe you're one question from a wholly different, totally different life. What if you ask yourself, how can I love How can I love them? How can I serve them? How can I heal the situation? What kind of change can I bring here? How can I be the most loving person in the room? How can I be the most kind? How can I love, come on, like I've never been hurt before? How many know you're going to find a whole other degree of answers that will change what you focus on, how you feel, and how you show up? What is one new question God would want you to ask yourself continue throughout the day? How can I honor him? How can I use my faith? How can I show compassion? Oh, I bet that would I'd break a lot because all of a sudden then you wouldn't judge people. In fact, you'd now be in a position because when you judge people, you can't influence people. Because you've already prejudged them that they're not worthy and you're better or you're lower. You're either in pride or self-pity. This is good teaching. Come on. This wasn't in the first session. Come on, this is good. The first session was good, but this is going to get richer. Watch it. You all like the party crowd. Come on. I like to say they're the Menudo crowd. They partied late last night in the El Cajon Valley. Come on. The Menudo crowd. They go, that's the hangover crowd. <laughs> you go to nightclubs on Sunday, they always offer Menudo. Come on, in the middle of the day. People are always hungover from the night before. 
How do you know that? Because I have a gra Mexican grandma. Come on. She's awesome. She always has all, like, all these cures for everything. And her only cure is Vicks. I called her one night from speaking. There was like 12,000 people in the Atlanta Dome, and all these people were getting healed, and I got like a cough. And I think, hey, mijo, you don't sound too good. No, I don't. I'm a little bit under the weather. You sound like a frog, mijo. What's up, man? What's going on? Okay, this is what you do. You go buy some Vicks, and you put it in your ears. You put it in your nose. You put it in your freaking eyes. You put it in your socks. Grandma, I can't smell. It's okay. It's working. I promise. It's Mexican remedy. I don't know where all that came from. She believes more, I think, in that than the cross when it comes to healing. <laughs> Come on, watch. Paul told Timothy, remind yourself of the faith that's in you, the DNA that's in you, and I want you to stir up that gift of God that's on the inside of you. Someone say, I have a gift of God. Someone say, I have a gift of God. That gift of God is a calling on your life. Your calling is noted. It has a cue and it has a clue to it. And it means, number one, it's in your creation. There's a problem that you are anointed to solve. Dentists solve teeth problems. Mechanics solve car problems. Financial people solve financial issues. You're anointed to solve a problem. Don't let it just be a couple people preaching up at the front and think they have a calling and I don't. I'm just regular. I'm just common. The Bible says in Acts 10, 15, what I, God, has blessed and what God has cleansed, do not call yourself common. You have a calling. Someone say, I have a calling. Someone say, stir it up and do the motion. Come on, stir it up, y'all. Stir it up because somebody's waiting on the other side of that calling for you to step into that calling. The scripture says, live a life worthy of your calling. Not live a life worthy of your career. Life's not about paying bills, making it through safe. Come on. Have we not learned that a little bit? Your calling will always make room for you. It's in what you create. What do they like to think about? What do I like to learn about? What do I like to study about? If there's a thing I want to solve, I'm gifted to solve a problem. That will reward you as part of your calling. Also, it's in your compassion. Because if you draw, if you care about it, be sure that God has qualified you. Your caring qualifies you to bring cure and healing to it. Stop waiting for someone else to heal something that you care about. You be the advocate. You stand up in the school system. You stand up in the Alcohol Valley. You stand up in the addiction. You stand up with a family that's hurting and broken, and you become the healer of it. I don't feel like a healer. Well, then go through recovery and discovery at the same time. Be in church where you're getting better. You can help other people get better. That's what we do in recovery. That's good teaching, huh? In fact, it'll save you so much. You want a significant life? Find out the hurt that drives you nuts, that you hate watching people suffer. You're anointed to fix it. In fact, some of you are still breathing only because God wants you to heal it, and that's why you're still alive right now. It's not your career. It's not money, anything else. You're still breathing because there's still people that need healing that you have the answer to, and your caring qualifies you. Stop putting that and shelving that on a, on a thing where you don't feed it anymore. Don't put that calling on a starvation diet. Ooh, this is good. Stir up the gift of God. Back in ancient Greece, they had this thing where they would give people a torch. It was a race. And when they did on the torch, they would light the torch. And the only way that someone won was not to be the fastest, not to be the dressed the best in this race. They had to finish the whole entire race, but they had to finish it with their torch still lit. That means they had to guide it. They had to guard it and protect it against outside forces or other people that wanted to blow that thing out or other people that wanted to knock the torch out of their hand. They had to run with a torch. Think about all the things that have come against you in the last three years to knock your torch out, to knock your fire out, where you just become, come on, dimly burning. But aren't you glad that God says, a dimly burning wick I'll not quench, I'll not put out till I bring forth victory in your life? Could it be today that you're in the house of God because God wants to reignite a fire in you when you get your fire back you get your dreams back come on you get your love back you get your leadership back you get your self-respect back you get your integrity back come on you get your leadership back you step up things shift when you get hungry the atmosphere in the jungle when I'm in Africa I love it because the lion during the day he's a lazy rascal 
sleeps 18 hours a day. But at night, the atmosphere shifts because that a lion emerges out of the grass. And all of a sudden, the elephant goes 5,000 pounds more, and he goes in hiding. The water buffalo gets intimidated, not because of the size of the lion, but because of the size of the hunger that's on the inside of that lion. You want the things to shift in your life. Stop waiting for something just to motivate you. Stand up on the inside. If I'm in the same place I am six months from now, am I good with that? That should create a fire inside you. If you got four weeks to live from this moment and you made a deal with a grim reaper that have four weeks to live, would that change what you did in the next four weeks? Would you love more? Would you give more? Would you set yourself on fire? Or would you play it safe? Would I live by the addiction of other people's opinion? God's opinion makes man's irrelevant. I want to live for the smile of God. I want that smile. I know what that smile looks like. I saw it one time. In 2006, I saw that smile. I saw the master, the one that they talk about. I've seen that face. I don't mind laboring. I don't mind getting my body up here when I feel like I'm freaking tired out as you know what. Come on. I don't mind doing anything because one day I want to bring so much honor to him. I want to refresh the soul of my master. I want him to say, well done. I see what you did. It didn't feel good when you were giving, but you gave. It didn't feel good when you were speaking, but you did it. I know that that person bothered you, but you loved him anyway. Thank you for doing it in my name. Some of you put down the process. God wants you to be encouraged. I see you coming on Sunday and you got beat up on Thursday. Some of you got demoted. Some of you have lost jobs. Some of you have lost things. And you're still here on Sunday in the morning. And the enemy wants you to feel condemned because you're not what you need to be yet. Remind you of your faith for a minute and stir that gift up. I am exactly who I need to be. I may not be where I want to be, but my calling is who I am, not where I am. Give the Lord a clap and a shout like you got juice. Anybody get anything good out of this? <sighs> Boom. There's a breakthrough back happen for your family, sir and ma'am. Right there. Can you stand just for a minute? I'm going to go back to my speaking. There's a financial breakthrough that's going to happen for you. You're going to feel alleviation from stress, and also your physical body is going to feel a lot better in your lower back, especially on the left-hand side, and your sciatica, your whole body. Things are about to shift in your favor. You said, God, we need help. Watch how he shows favor and even astounds you before your family members. You wrote yourself off a couple years ago by mistakes, and God says, I called you. I put my grace upon you. Stop treating yourself common. I put something inside you. I'm about to raise your guy's life up in ways that will astound you, and a financial provision shall come into your your life, even in February of 2023, that you know not of, for I've already aligned the stars for you. Watch as I put the matter together, for I'm pulling you out of one thing and I'm bringing you into another thing. For today's a new day, says the Spirit of the Lord. Oh, this is fun. I was in LA recently and I walked by a man and I didn't, I felt my heart, tell that man to run. It's like Forrest Gump, run, Forrest. <laughs> I didn't know the man. I never met the man. Don't know anything about the man. It's a true story. Me and my wife, were, I went like about 20 rows, 22 rows back. He was like in the cheap seats. You know what I mean? He wasn't even in the box seats. I went all the way, and I just felt to tell him to run. I go, run. People would have looked at me like, you are a freaking idiot. And the man goes, okay. <laughs> he stands up, 55 years of age, and he just takes off running. And people start cheering, going bananas. He goes, you don't know people. I've never been able to run or use my legs for 22 years. When I came in here today, I was going to kill myself. I was a vet and tormented in my mind. But something said a miracle could happen and God communicate. And when you told me to run, all I knew was I couldn't sit anymore. I just had to decide to run and stir up that car. Oh, you guys are the party crowd. Can you handle a little bit more of this? You good? You cool with it? Come on. Man, I love this. I want to come back. I'm coming back. I'm inviting myself, and I don't even do that. Can we? We're going to be deeper friends. I'll pay, okay, well, I'll pay, I will take you to a great restaurant. What's that? Come on, what are you doing tomorrow? Come on. I love our pastors. Come on. Aren't you grateful for our pastors right now? I love When I travel, I go onto awaken.com. I listen to our pastors. 
because there's wealth and there's wisdom and you build wisdom, you build a life, you build a family. I don't want to build it on flesh. I don't want to build it on flash. I don't even want to build it on motivation or pop psychology. Come on. Or Christian inspiration. I want to build it on wisdom because there's wealth and there's wonder attached to it. And every one of us knows if we don't work our life, life will do something with us rather than us doing something. Come on, it'll change things, right? So watch, Paul tells Timothy, stir up the gift of God. Here's how you're going to finish, and here's what you have to have. you got to have these three things if you're going to do it. You have to have a sound mind, a spirit of power, and a spirit of love. Let's go a sound mind right there. He didn't say a safe mind. He said a sound mind. A sound mind operates with purpose. Many times we look at it as a safe mind. Well, be careful. It becomes our slogan. How many of you ever felt that? I felt that. I said that in the first service. I grew up with a mama that loved me dearly, but she was afraid that things weren't going to work out for me. She would say, hey, go for it. Go out for the team, but be careful. Go out for the band. Come on, but be careful. Come on. You should try to go out on a date with that girl. Come on. She's much prettier than you. But hey, be careful. Come on, somebody. And it was not, hey, don't do it. It was do it with a sense of it's probably not going to work out, but just so don't go all the way in, just go in halfway in. How many of you ever had that happen? Come on. How many had a mama that loved you or a grandmama and their idea was be careful, be careful, be careful? How many know your be careful has created an atmosphere of I can't? And your can't silence your wants. In fact, hope cannot live in an atmosphere of can't. Notice how many times throughout a day in your mind, you might not verbalize it, you say, I can't, well, I can't, well, I can't, well, I can't, well, because that's happening, so I can't, I can't. Are your can'ts silencing your faith? I don't have a sound mind, I have a can't, I have a, I can't mind, I have, I have a be safe, I gotta be safe, I gotta be safe. God never called you to be safe. He had you a sound mind. Maybe it's a sad mind because you internalize all the injustices that have been done to you, all the bad experiences you do, and the enemy's nowhere messing with you anymore because you just torment yourself. You keep asking all these bad questions about how bad you are, and you create your own freaking misery by the thoughts you think. This is good. Watch. How many know because I've had this happen? I did it to myself. Come on, the devil was somewhere in Cuba messing with Fidel Castro, and I thought he was in my house. Come on, somebody. It was just my own thoughts that were making a heaven out of a hell rather than a hell out of heaven. Come on. What about, what about, what about a stressed mind? I feel so stressed. I feel so stressed. Stress is when you focus on things you can't impact and control. So if you want a sound mind, I got to operate at two functions. Number one, the meaning I attach to things. The meaning you attach to events in your life determines where you live from emotionally. Let me help you for me. If an event happens to your life and you say, oh, that's most, this is the end of a relationship rather than beginning, are you going to have a different reaction, a different emotion? If you say this is a miracle or this is misery, is that going to change the way you function? Am I breaking down or am I breaking through? The Bible says to guide your mind in the way of the Lord. It didn't say God would use you as a, uh, like a robot and guide your mind for you. It says you lead your mind, Proverbs 20, 23, verses 19. So I make a heaven or hell, hell out of heaven, by the interpretation or the meaning I attach to things. You could come in here today, they didn't notice me. That must mean I'm not worth something here. They didn't do this for me. That must mean that this. This must mean. How many know we create so much of our own suffering because we're not thinking with divine purpose because we attach bad meanings? A family friend of ours, uh, they got a diagnosis on their daughter that she was, has an incurable disease in the womb. He called me. I was driving down Las Vegas Boulevard to do a convention. And he goes, man, you got to help me. My wife's in the closet. She's been there. She's suicidal with the baby inside of her. I don't know how to help her. I don't know how to break her through. If you have this diagnosis, we're dreading how all this is going to work out. And I stopped. I got a word from God in my mind, like an idea, a thought. It wasn't like the Lord came in, Rex, here's the prophecy. I had an idea, just didn't go away. Come on. Some of you hear from God much more than you realize. You're waiting for the spectacular, and you're missing the supernatural. That's really good right there. You're missing the supernatural because you're looking for the spectacular. Oh, that's really good. That is that rejoice my own heart. I want to amen myself. Good going, white boy. I said to him this simple thing. 
If your little girl could pop out of your wife's womb right now, she would beg you, Daddy, don't call me a disease. Speak to my destiny. Daddy, don't call me a diagnosis. Call me a, don't call me misery. Don't dread of what you're going to have to do to take care of me. Call me a miracle. Please don't treat me the way they've diagnosed me. Put a new meaning on me and attach me that God's going to do something good, that I can be loving, I can be great. That might be wrong physically, but that does not have to be my destiny. A diagnose. don't... Stop agreeing with the devil's conspiracy theories about you. Don't live with a mentality of a big devil and a small God. Your perspective, my perspective is my passport or our prison. If I view as it like, I'll never get out. I'm being punished. How is that going to affect you receiving from God? Well, if God's punishing you, how is he going to bless you? But many of us were raised in an environment where they punished us or an intimate relationship where you got punished and you brought that meaning into your relationship with God. So now you're a human doing, trying to do enough for God to bless you and you never feel enough because you can't do enough. Oh, this is good. Come on. You're going to let me go two minutes over today? Yes, you are. I already decided. It's worth it. You didn't have to come pay to see me with Tony Robbins this week. Come on. It's 2,000 freaking bucks, whatever it is. Watch this for a minute. The meaning you attach is where you live from emotionally, but also your mental focus from it. How many know the life you live is not the life that's available, it's the life you focus on? Somebody can walk in here today totally depressed and all they focus is on what they don't like. I don't like the lights over there. I didn't like it when that guy got up there and talked about investing your talent. I want to use the talent for myself. Then 99% of the people can walk in here and they're rejoicing over the goodness of God this week. Somebody got a breakthrough. Somebody had more better days than bad days than last week. Come on. Somebody's excited to be alive and have a family of people that support them when they're down or so. And they come into the huddle today just to get recharged. And you have a totally different experience. Both experiences were available. Whatever you focus on became your idea of reality. How many know you choose your focus? In fact, powerful, anointed people are not defeated by evil. They're defeated by broken focus. Sin is not the result of bad people. It's a result of broken focus. That's why the enemy always attacks the focus of your mind. When Jesus set his face, he set his focus to go to the cross. Simon came and says, you don't need to go to the cross. He said, get behind me, devil. Some of you need to say, get off me, distraction. Get off me, distraction. I'm fixing my eyes on the high call. I'm fixing my mind on things that are true, things that are lovely, things that are beautiful, things that are pure, things that are of a good report. When Peter focused on Jesus, he walked on water, on the earth, a natural guy with a cussing problem, who was a CEO of a fishing business, three generations. I love that about Jesus. All of his disciples were business owners. Not worship leaders, not pastors, not prophets. Not praise God. Not on Christian TV with big rings. Come on, somebody. Cindy, I'll send you holy water from Jerusalem. Join my mailing list and you'll get a miracle. Come on, man. Come on, how many know he ain't gimmicky? What would make all these business owners walk with him? Jesus wanted business owners because they were willing to bet on themselves. They were willing to take risk. We're religious people. They like to play it safe. Jesus wanted some radical people that were willing to take a bet, willing to take a step, willing to risk some stuff. You don't got no risk. You got no faith. You got no faith. You got no life. You're a slave to your surroundings. Come on, somebody, watch. What about the spirit of love? And I got to go fast here for a minute. Love gives, but it also forgives. What's happened to love? Without love, our hearts grow cold. Jesus said, I see people's hearts hemorrhaging and failing because of a lack of love. Because everybody wants to criticize and condemn our culture. Come on. If I took you to South Africa a couple years ago, right before apartheid, an African woman, she was sitting there, her, her husband and son, they were at their home and they got a knock on the door. And a, a white officer with a couple other white officers, Officer Vanderbrook is his name, it's a true story. He opened the door and said, can I see your son for a minute? The son came out. They shot him point blank in front of the parents. And they killed him because of the color of his skin and they made fun because of the color of his skin because it was black. And these white bigot racist officers sat there and they partied right in the midst of the parents and they just shot the brains out of their son. 
They tried to go get justice, and that bothered the officers more for no split reason. As a result, the officers showed back up, and this time they took the father. They took him, and for a year, the mother tried to figure, the woman tried to go down a couple times on a bus. She could not drive. They tried to get help, but they did. the South African Police Department did nothing about it. They couldn't find it for a year. She had no whereabouts. Then they returned and they brought her out to a field where they put her husband, tied him to a log, and they put oil on him, and they set him on fire and cursed him because of the color of his skin for nothing done but just the color of his skin. For two years, they finally, they, they, they charged these officers. It was in a court, and before the judge sentenced, they let in the South African, I don't know if it's appeals or whatever, they let the, the victim be able to say what they think the sentence should be. This elderly woman stood up at a courtroom and she said, my husband was a great man. We had a great life together. Judge, can I please somebody take me because I can't drive and I can't walk very good back to where his remains are in his dust. I want to give him a proper burial because he loved me and put so much value on me. And he teach, taught me and my family and my son how to respect and honor God. She said, absolutely. He says, I have another request. And she says, whatever you want to say. The officers are standing there. I've already been guilty verdict on him. He says, I would like to look at you, Mr. Officer Vanderbrock, and I want to tell you today that I choose to forgive you. I want to let you off my hook. Not You're not off God's hook, but you're off my hook. I want to do that today because you've killed the most two special people that are to me, and the only thing that I have, I'm not talented, I'm not gifted, I don't got a great ministry, I don't have a great life, but one thing I know how to do is love, and I don't want you to take the best part of me me, and that is a lover. And I realize that if I don't forgive you and let you off my hook, that I will not live and you'll silently kill me. So today I forgive you. People began to weep all across the courtroom. I have a third thing. Can somebody help me over to that man? I don't want him to hear those words. But by court, can I hug him? And I'm asking you, judge, because now I'm lonely and I can't get around very good, as you can see. Can you bring him by a court appointment and the two officers that did this to my family to my house so I have somebody to love? Don't kill me and take away the best part of me because all I have is love, but love is worth living. They helped her over to that man. And as he did, all of a sudden that man passed out. Best Officer Vanderbrook, it's a true story. All across the room, all of a sudden these people that have been oppressed for so many generations, these black people started grabbing these white people's hands and they began to sing all across that atmosphere. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I was once lost, but now I'm blind. Found, but now I was once blind, but now I see. All of a sudden one woman that stepped up and offered mercy to the worst situation. She did not condone their sin but she released their sin. You say, I can't forgive. I've been through too much bitterness. If you realize how much you've been forgiven, it will be easy to forgive those that have done you wrong. If you remember what the blood of Jesus has done for you, you'll be able to release mercy. And if you give mercy, mercy comes back. A revolution began. All of a sudden, Nelson Mandela emerged out of 27 years in a little captivity of prison, and he emerged and he heralded. But it all started with a woman saying, I'm going to love God. I got his love in me, and I'm not going to let the world steal that out of me. I'm not going to let injustice steal that out of me. The government steal that out of me. Come on, somebody. I know you got a president that can't even ride a freaking bike. I know you got a lot of craziness in the world and people plotting your demise, but don't let them steal that spirit of love in you. Say, love begins with me. Love begins with me. Say it, slap the person next to you. Love begins with you. Come on. Watch it, you got a spirit of power. Someone say power. Say like you got juice. Someone say, I got power. I got that power, baby. Come on, someone say, I got that power, baby. You got that power, baby. You may not be a recognizer, but you got that power, baby. Ephesians 3.20, it's one of the anthems of Awakened Church. Now unto God, not unto minister who's so-so, not unto someone famous on Instagram, now unto God. Now unto God, I love him, 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 I love him. You know when he gets you out of stuff and you know that you only stand because he got you out. I only have a sound mind because you got me out. I only don't have a disease in my body because you got me out. 
when my wife died on the operating bed right there in front of all the doctors and you shoved her back in her body. I know what you did. I stand. I only stand. And you, I live and move. I got my being only because of you. Now unto you. Can't wait one day. I'm going to run in your arms. I'm going to kiss you like crazy. You know what I talked to you about in private. I can't wait. Unto you. You that calms the storm with your voice. You that raises the Lazarus out of the dead. You that's healed kids with AIDS through my bare freaking white hands. You that's able to do more than I ask. More than I think. According to your power at work in me. There's a power at work in you. You got to do something with it. You got to ask God big things think big things. God, I need your power to barely make it. You think you're going to see supernatural power? I need, I, need, I need a miracle just to survive my husband. Really? I just call self-control. Hey. Now unto God who's able. Now unto God who's able. You have the power, number one, to forgive. Jesus said when you forgive, they're forgiven. John 20. He says you have the power to speak his word and see his word come to pass. Because the Bible says in Hebrews 1.3, God upholds and delivers all things by the word of his power, not the power of his word. Let me help you here, biblically language. That means if it's by the power of his word, it's only powerful when God speaks it. But when it's the word of his power, it's just as powerful when you speak it out of your mouth than when Jesus said it out of his mouth. And if two agree and say the same thing, confession is made unto healing. You got deliverance in your mouth. If you'll begin to walk around your house saying, hey, you know what? The joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm increasing in health. I'm getting better and better every day in every way. Favor's chasing my kids down. My kids will be mighty in the land. Healing's flowing in my body. By Jesus stripes I'm you. I have a sound mind, not an anxious mind. I rejoice in the Lord. Those spirits of fear have no way to terrorize you. You're not a haunted house. You can become a happy house. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth, not his circumstances. Anybody still believe God's word? Watch this. The end. You have power to speak the word and see it come to pass. Every morning I love it when I'm home. I walk into my, my, my bedroom there's my wife, she has a list of confessions. I declare, my wife's chill, but she's in bed. I declare this wealth and riches in our house. The spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus is filling on my husband, my daughter, our family's heart. God's making the way of escape. We walk in a spirit of power, love and a sound. It changes the atmosphere of our home. Angels only do the word of God you speak. Many of you got angels around your life and doing nothing and they're frustrated because you don't give them nothing to do. Psalm 103.19 says, the angels of God do the word that you speak. That means unless you speak the word, all they can do is protect you and not provide and deliver for you. That's the scriptures. They don't do your will. They do God's work. Could you imagine you got a ghetto angel from like Detroit? Come on, not like, not like some like little weak angel from like La Jolla. Come on, somebody. Where all the rich people live. Come on, somebody. Come on, I want some thug angel from like the middle of like Detroit, like gangster. You know what I mean? I ask God sometimes, God, send me the Nigerian ones. You know what I mean? Like those big old thugs. Lord, your word says, angels go do it. Your word says, my all my needs shall be met according to your riches and glory. Go do it. Your door word says, you'll open doors for me that no man can shut. Angels go do the word of God. I wonder if things would shift for you. But you also got power to heal. And I end with this. I just got done with a meeting and I was in a, for a fortune company. We were driving late at night on a freeway and it was really tough to see. We came around to Ben and there was a car in the fast lane and it had its brakes on and cars were swerving to miss it. As we passed by, we were in the carpool lane or the HOV lane and, and all of a sudden we started to slow down. My wife goes, pull over, pull over, she's having a seizure. Ten something at night, you can hardly see. Okay, so I pulled like right in almost the center divider. And I got out of the car. I don't recommend doing that on the middle of a freeway where cars are freaking flying. I got out of the car and I put my hands out like this for the car in front of me that's coming at me to stop. Probably not smart. The car comes coming to a halt. This man from Africa gets out. What are you doing? 
I goes, there's a, she's having a seizure. I need your help. Okay, I help you. Let me put car over here. He was from real Africa. That's awesome. I, so he's over there. He goes, this is what we do. We stop other car first. I go, okay, cool. Let's do it. Why do you act out all the name, the voices? Because this is what it was like. It was awesome. In the middle of a freeway, a mess was about to happen, and a message was about to come out of it. So we stop, and there's an Indian man, like straight from India. He had all of his garb on from his Hindu wedding, and he had all those things. He's like, he gets out of his car, goes, what is going on? I don't understand what is happening. What is going on? And he goes, African man, what are you doing? And he goes, we need you to stop the traffic and make sure that we don't get hit. We're going to go pull a girl out. Okay, I help you. And he's in a beautiful white garment with like pink like emblems on it. So me and African guy, he's like, okay, let's go. Come on. He goes, I'm bigger and stronger than you. I help carry her out of the car. Okay, let's go. So we pick her up out of the car. She's violently shaking, 32-year-old woman, having a grand mal seizure, freaking out in there. She should have been dead. All of a sudden, we stop. We pick her up and pull her into the African man's car. He goes, I go help direct traffic so that other guy don't get killed. I go, okay, you go do that. So all of a sudden, I'm sitting there with her trying to talk to this woman and reason with her, and nothing would stop. She's just going to bananas. And I'm trying to keep her from swallowing her tongue. All of a sudden, the paramedics walk, starting to walk up. We're a little soft, a little softer. Paramedics are starting to walk up. And I go, listen to me. I got aggressive. I said, I'm a God man. I said, I represent Jesus. In his name, I command this to stop. I looked at her and looked at my eyes. She just looked at me. Everything became serene. Everything be quiet. You don't know how much authority you have until you decide to use it. All of a sudden, what was hurting and what was a mess, the paramedics go, what happened to her? I thought you said she was having a grand mal seizure. She was. How did she get cured? Let me tell you something. You got the power in you to make a difference in your community, in your school system. Come on. At the gas station, at the 7-Eleven when you're getting a Slurpee late at night. Come on. When you're at Dunkin' Donuts and you want to get one of those little mini donuts, come on, somebody. Some of my greatest healings that I've ever seen happen, happen in obscure places. Eddie Murphy's house. I was at Suge Knight's, the head of his house, speaking one night with all the thugs from NWA and all those rap bands. Power start flowing. When I was with Motley Crue and Vince Neil in the back. Do they all just give their lives to Jesus? Not everyone. Not everyone Jesus healed gave their life to him. But he left them with a God impression that they're never going to be satisfied till they get the full thing. Every one of you can leave God's seeds that he can water and God can get the increase and Jesus can be glorified. Give the Lord a clap and a shout. I'm done speaking. Give the Lord a clap and a shout. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen. For more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.